<laughs> Aye. Alright, Wayne. Poor Diano. Why are you sat on my bed? I needed to come back with me through time. Where to? Back to November 12th, 1955. It's a very important date for time travellers. But I'm not dressed. Never mind that. Grab onto my hand, quick. Where are we? Carthage in Texas. We're going to go into that arena in a minute. Texas? That girl over there's got a balloon. There's no time for balloons. We're going in there. We're going to see Elvis. Elvis? Hold on. I'm watching Elvis. Hello, what's your name? Hang on a minute. Oh, I was enjoying that. Well, you've seen enough, didn't you? You know why I took you there now. So Iron Maiden copied Elvis. Did you notice who was next to us? No, some woman. Yeah, Steve Harris's old man. And guess who was in a tummy? Uh, It was Steve. Even at this stage, he was getting inspiration from the world around him with his songwriting. I've got to go now, Wayne, so I'll see you soon. You, you don't mind sticking around the 50s for a bit? Uh, not, not really. Hang on, wait, wait. No! Oh, thank goodness it was a dream. Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. On these podcasts, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and the impact they had on me growing up as a boy in the 1980s. This week, I'm looking at the song Hallowed Be Thy Name, which is track 8 on the Number of the Beast album. I feel quite a lot of pressure, because it's considered one of their best songs of all time. It's quite strange that it follows on from Gangland, which is considered one of their weakest. And last week, I did look at the song Gangland, and I've had some feedback about the show. I've had Martin Chuzzlewit send a message saying that he thought Gangland was about pirates because the line, Dead Men Tell No Tales, was part of the title on one of the films in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. OK, thanks for that. I've had a message from Mark Harvey who says that I mentioned about Gangland not being in the Atlas and I said that it was not found between Gambia and Ghana and yes... I maintain this is a fact. He's written in to say that wasn't Germany in your atlas? And at first, I thought this was quite clever and maybe I'd I'd missed something. But then, I remembered and I checked that in the 1980s, Germany wasn't under G. It was under E for East Germany and W for West Germany. So no, Germany wasn't in my atlas. And this was the same in World Cup 86 which was another book I mentioned. East Germany were mentioned in the qualifying rounds, but they didn't qualify. And West Germany, they got to the final. And I know this because I wrote the scores in, in felt tip pens. So as I said earlier, Hello Be Thy Name is often considered the best Iron Maiden song of all time. And uh, yeah, it follows Gangland, which is one of their worst, apparently. And I wonder if that, that position next to each other, 
affects people's views of both songs. Maybe Hallowed Be Thy Name seems better because it follows Gangland. Or maybe Gangland seems worse because of what's to follow. If you do a search for best Iron Maiden songs on Google, then often you'll get these top 10 lists from magazines or blogs, and Hallowed Be Thy Name is often number one. Look at them. Kerrang, Louder, Fan Polls. It's number one in most places. On the Talking Maiden podcast recently, one of the hosts, Nesbitt, said that Hallowed Be Thy Name was his second favourite song. So he's trying to stand out a bit and do something different. And that's good. That's what I want from a podcast. I'd like to stand out from the crowd and say it's rubbish, but it isn't. Some of you might be wondering what Uncle Steve thinks, because he does a podcast as well. And he also says that Hallowed Be Thy Name is his favourite song. He says it goes everywhere that an Iron Maiden song should go. It's epic. But I'm not going to keep going on about what he says, because it's my podcast. I don't want any spoilers coming from him, even though he's already done an episode about the number of the Beast album, which I haven't listened to. For such a great song, it's quite interesting that, to me, it starts off with a mistake. There's this chime in the background, and it's like a church bell. I thought this might be done by using the gong at the back of Clive's drum kit, but it isn't. If you listen to the opening section, the third and the fourth chime, they're slightly off the beat. Well, if you count along, they are anyway. Try it now. This might seem picky, but I think you notice these things today because we're spoiled by all this digital technology where things are perfect. There's click tracks or beats per minute or auto-tune on the vocal. I quite like to hear flaws in recordings. makes it more human. I like the character and the charm of these things. And that's why I quite like the production on the first album, as I've discussed in Series 1. Maybe Iron Maiden didn't feel they needed to play along to a click track in the studio, and they just did it naturally. So while I've noticed it's a flaw, I actually don't mind this. So to summarise, Clive's bongs, which are not gongs, are actually wrong at the start of the song. Now both me and Trevor have mentioned the storytelling element on this album with the lyrics. And the first verse here is quite evocative. It puts you in the shoes of a man seemingly on death row. And this chime adds to his imminent fate. Counting down time. I'm waiting in my cold cell when the bells begin to chime. Reflecting on my past life. And it doesn't have much time. Because at five o'clock, they'll take me to the gallows pole. When I was a boy, I thought the gallows pole might be a pub or a club. A bit like the bottle top in Running Free. Pubs used to shut in the afternoon in the 1980s and open again at five o'clock. So I thought this made sense. I know now that it isn't a pub. And as I've said before, this man's on death row. And the gallows pole is where he's going to be hanged. Not hung, hanged. At the end of this first verse, he ends with the word low. And Bruce Dickinson holds this note for nearly 14 seconds. And this section, apart from the impressive feat of holding a note for so long, the way things build around it is amazing. Everything comes in, 
gradually, and there's this swing in the hi-hat, which makes this a perfect passage for me. And it brings the song into the next section. This next section, as I've called it, has almost a call and response bit, where the music has gaps, where the majority of vocals are. They repeat this trick on Revelations, which I'll cover in the next series. I've mentioned sections, but there's a lot of changes in it, and I don't think this makes it proggy, but it's quite similar to Phantom of the Opera, where there's several musical passages without a vocal. I don't think Bruce Dickinson was travelling through time, though, when this happened, like Paul Diano might have been when they were recording Phantom of the Opera. What I think is amazing is that so much happens in the first two minutes. And if you read the lyrics on the inner sleeve of the record, the final line, Life down here is just a strange illusion, that happens halfway through the song, so you wonder what's going to come next. I think the song constantly sounds on edge, even though it's quite polished from a production point of view. I wondered recently what Phantom of the Opera might sound like if Martin Birch had produced it. And the section, just after four minutes in, possibly shows what this might have been like. just after this, which you've just heard a bit of, is really good for running. It's better than Phantom of the Opera, which is famous for being a running song, thanks to Daley Thompson's LucasAid advert. I imagined this musical section when I was running in the school sports day. This was the sports day when I forgot my PE kit and I had to wear my school uniform. This music, and Iron Maiden, helped me get over my self-conscious fears and ignore the taunting, and I beat Mahmood the Penguin Khan in the Egg and Spoon race. He was one of the best at this event, and it was a big shock. Everyone clapped. Even Caroline Blissett. Even though I lost five house points for forgetting my PE kit, I got three house points for winning the race. So actually, I only lost two house points. If I could meet the band today, I would thank them for this. Every time I look at the list of Iron Maiden songs, I think, is this really their best song? I think, maybe Wrathchild is better. Or maybe Power Slave. But then I hear it, and I think maybe it is. I'd go as far to say that it must be in every fan's top 20, if not higher. I'm probably playing it safe there. But if it isn't, then I'd like to meet you, and perhaps have an informal chat. It's obviously a very popular song, with the fans and with the band. And when you look at their live performances, there's only three songs that have been played more in their history. It used to be even higher. It was actually their third most played song live. But then, in 2017, it was dropped from the tour because there was an issue with the songwriting royalties. Someone had made a claim from the past. Now, looking into this, it seems it's from a a band that most people don't know from the 70s called Beckett. But I'm sure I remember something about an Elvis song. I'm not sure where I heard this or read it uh, because I can't see anything online about it. I'm sure there was some issue with some of the lyrics being similar to an Alvy song that was Hello, What's Your Name? or something. But, again, I can't find any evidence. I had a message from Dennis Stratton this week. Hello, Wayne. Dennis Stratton here. Hope you are keeping well. It's autumn now. 
my favorite season. The crackle of bonfires, Halloween, and it's my birthday soon. I've been looking online for a Halloween outfit. I was thinking of dressing as an Oompa Loompa from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I was practicing the makeup the other morning, and I forgot about it until later when the cleaner arrived, and she looked quite shocked. I don't think my explanation helped matters. I'm now on my third cleaner. I'm wondering if Halloween might be banned with this pandemic. No trick or treating this year. I don't mind. I used to think that people coming to the door and saying trick or treat was a question to me, and I'd say treat please and take their sweets. Apparently, this is wrong. Hallowed be thy name, though. What a great song that is. It sums up the year it came out to me. When I hear it, I think of 1982. It's of its time, and yet it's timeless. I wish it was still 1982. Despite the Falklands War, nuclear threats, and synth pop, times were better then. None of this online dating nonsense or rock stars writing fishing books. I hope things do improve, Wayne. Perhaps one day we can meet up and have a pint. I don't know if you do drink beer. I know so little about you, yet I find I can tell you anything. I'm not going to mention Brenda this week, though. I don't want to be a burden. So well done for getting to the end of another series, and I hope to be in touch soon. Take care, Dennis. The term, hallowed be thy name, on you, from the Lord's Prayer, which we had to say in school assembly. It started with the line, Our Father, who art in heaven. And this was about God. The word thy is Old English for your. And it was used in the Bible and in Shakespeare. Despite these both being old, Shakespeare wasn't mentioned in the Bible. People didn't want plays in those days. They wanted parables and miracles. Thomas Spencer at school once asked why there was nobody called God in the school if God was a name. I argued with him and I said that God's name must be hallowed because the prayer said, hallowed be thy name. So we're telling God that his name is hallowed. But Thomas Spencer said that this was a silly name and God was just called God. This was quite a deep conversation for two seven-year-olds and we argued about this when we could have argued about Aston Villa, or the best subway in Birmingham. I see now that we were both right. Hallowed means greatly revered and honoured, and if I'd known this, I'd have described Fiona Gregory as this. We learn from the first verse that the song's about a man on death row, but as the song progresses, we sort of learn that he's not worried about facing death, because he feels that God will save him. He says, after all, I'm not afraid of dying. But as he gets close to this fate, he starts to ask questions, and wonders if he will be saved. It's quite deep. Being such a famous song, it's appeared on a lot of live albums, and it was actually released as a live single in 1993, getting into the top ten. They also released a new version, which was like a Radio 1 session, on the B-side of the single, The Reincarnation of Benjamin Brigg. But this isn't as good. I don't recommend it. The original 1982 version is the ultimate version to me. Right, I'm going to ring up Trevor now, see what he has to say about it. Hi, Wayne. All right, Trevor, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I've uh, been shopping uh, online. I've bought some maps. Some maps? Yeah. Why? Well, so I can see where things are. 
okay, well, if that's what you're worried about, why don't you just use an app on your phone? Nah, no fun in that. I like to hold things. I like pencils when I write poems, or books when I read. Well, if you like holding things, you can hold a phone, can't you? Well, yeah, but it's not the same. You have to zoom in and scroll down to see the details. These maps are big sheets. If you look at these when you're up a hill, you look important. These are old maps anyway, Wayne. They don't work anymore. What's the point? It helps me imagine the past. I think we sometimes need to make our mind go beyond the known. I feel we've restricted ourselves. And these maps symbolise the parts of our mind that we've forgotten. Have you joined a cult? No. Okay. Well, uh, can we talk about Hallowed Be Thy Name? Um, Is it your favourite song? Uh, It might be, yeah. I I don't want to spoil anything for future shows. Because if I say it's number one, there's no point in carrying on, is there? People are, that's it. Can't get any better. I like to leave people in suspense. Like in my poetry. Okay. Um, I mean, just, you've gone into quite a lot of detail on other songs. I feel like this is one of the most important and you, you've said quite little on it. Yeah, well, I think a lot has been said about it already. It's so popular. I mean, I, I quite like covering the obscure songs like The Ides of March and Gangland last week. Okay, well, uh, have you got a poem? Have you been inspired by the song to to write some poetry? Yeah, I have, yeah. I'll uh, read it now. It's inspired by the lyrics in the first verse. I'm waiting in my cold shed for my mobile to start to chime, reflecting on my past life, another country, another time. And at 10pm, you made my life seem whole. Now I'm back in England. You don't call, and I'm feeling love. All right. So, um, well, maybe you'd like to explain it? Well, it's a, a, based on the French trip. I've, I've done some other poems about that when I met that lady. And, uh, yeah, she sort of took me under her wing and showed me things. It was a great experience. And then when I got back, she didn't call. Well, you wouldn't have had a mobile phone, would you, when you are a teenager? We didn't have phones. So how would she have your number? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why she didn't ring. Well, she... Do you think she's remembered you after all this time? Don't know. Maybe. I don't think you get many Trevors in uh, France. It's not like a Birmingham nightclub in the 90s. OK, well, thank you for the poem. Um, so next week we're going to do an episode on Total Eclipse. So uh, I'll have a chat with you about that. Oh, can I, can I just mention my book? Yeah, I suppose. Well, yeah, so Trevor is writing uh, a book, a poetry book, uh, that I think is coming out for Christmas. In fact, you did post something on the Ko-Fi page, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I put a preview of the front cover on, which I know excited some fans. How did you gauge that excitement? I could just tell. In fact, I quite like the notion of taking over that. Um, maybe on the show we could have a Trevor's takeover section where um, I'll just do something. Well, I think we've we've got enough of you on the show. Um, when we started the podcast, in fact, no, when I started the podcast, um, it was just a case of getting an extra opinion about the song and uh, a bit of poetry. But uh, I feel that that's obviously grown, and that's okay, because we do have to make changes. But uh, I think at the moment you, you take up quite a bit of the show already, so an extra section where you take over. I, I think you already... You've already got a takeover. 
Well, I think we need to look at changes for the uh, Peace of Mind series, and that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, we will. But uh, let's let's get Total Eclipse and the album review show out of the way first. Um, I think there will be some extra changes, as there has been every series. We've had some new features, and that will happen again. Um, but I'll work those out, and, and we can discuss it if I feel they need to involve you. All right, Wayne. Well, I've been brainstorming in the shed, so if you want any ideas, just let me know. Yep, okay. Thanks very much, and uh, I'll speak to you next week about Total Eclipse. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Okay, you can follow the show on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Ko-Fi. I think I post the most on Twitter, and that's at Wayne Maiden, but you can find me elsewhere. I've had a tweet from Dee Dee, and she says um, that at the start of this series... Trevor did a poem about invaders, and he put some beats behind it, and he's not done this since. So what's happened there? Um, Okay, well, that's a good question. I probably should have asked Trevor, but with his recent angling for more input, I think uh, maybe I won't encourage him. So maybe he'll bring it back for the next series, but I think he got sidetracked by his inventions and his book that he's talked about a bit more as we've gone on. You may recall his invention about the, the random song title generator, which... Got mixed reviews, mainly negative ones. I've also had one from Taffy, and she says, will I be doing a jigsaw on the album review special? And this is something I did on the previous two album review shows. And in this period of lockdown, I think doing jigsaws is very important for well-being. And I think that some people found this. I've got some kind comments about my jigsaw commentary. But I don't think I'll be getting the Number of the Beast album as a jigsaw. Because again, I think I need to move on and do something different on this album review special. So at the moment, there's no plans for Jigsaw commentary. But if I get sufficient outrage from followers, then I may review this. Recently, I've noticed some reviews on Apple that have been left for the podcast. And I've read some out in the last couple of episodes. This week, I'm going to just read one out because it's quite a long review. And it's from the UK. And it's from someone called Corky37. The heading for this review says, bizarrely hilarious. This sounds similar to some other reviews, doesn't it? I think last week we had one that mentioned funny and absurd, so these seem to be themes. Now, it's quite a long review, so I'm only going to read some bits of it. That doesn't mean I'm missing out the bad bits, because it's a five-star review, which means it's very good. Right, Corky says, brilliant take on growing up with Iron Maiden. So that's a good start, isn't it? It says, Wayne puts a great spin on the mundane and makes an often literal critique of Maiden songs. Then he goes on and says, There is also the weekly phone-in from Wayne's slightly odd friend, Trevor, who has a penchant for poetry. Now, I've got a couple of issues with this bit, because he says it's a phone-in from Trevor, but it's actually me that's phoning Trevor. That's the arrangement, and whatever he may make you think. So I think that's quite important to set the record straight there, in case anyone else had that thought. It says that Trevor's slightly odd, which which is good. I might, might use that against him. Um, this penchant, what's that? I might have to... Hang on a minute, just get the dictionary. Uh, oh, penchant. Penchant. Mm. He says, some brilliant guests. He says, really good insight, and I've learned a lot. Keep up the good work, and go easy on the Frey Bentos pies. Corky. That's a great review. So thank you very much for that, Corky. In fact, I think there was a corky that asked Paul Diano a question about the round of pool he was having in the 12 Wasted Years video. So thanks for your input, corker. 
Unless it's different corky, and I apologise to both of you if I'm getting you mixed up. So that's Hello Be Thy Name, and that's the end of the Number of the Beast album. Except I'm doing an extra episode next week for the song Total Eclipse. And if you don't know that song, or even the, the album that well, and wondering why there's this extra song, I'll reveal all of it. So thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you next week. Okay, bye-bye.